the Adonis audio experience. Jose, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good morning, everybody. I'm actually just uh, relaxing here on a Saturday morning and uh, was watching Night Knives Out before. I don't know if you got to see that movie. I saw it on Christmas with the family. Oh, man. That movie is classic. I actually got to see it in the theaters with Jasmine. And, you know, it was a really interesting movie. Um, what was your favorite part about it? You know, my favorite part is um, I love the way Daniel Craig is in the movie. He's the cop that's like doing the investigation. And, you know, he's just got so many like well-timed jokes. He's got like this like southern accent. You know, it's just and it's he carries it for me. He carries he carries the movie. You know, and he and it keeps you on your toes because you really don't have an idea who it is. They kind of you know they implicate everybody a little bit. Yeah. On who had the most to gain. Yeah. You I know, really enjoyed it. It's funny, too, because whenever Jamie Lee Curtis is in a movie, I'm like, you know what? It's definitely her. So it's cool because how they casted it, it really kept it up in the air as to who uh, the person is that kind of put this plot together, right, to kill the old man and and take his inheritance. But it's definitely a great movie for families to watch or couples or if you're by yourself, I mean, go out there, rent it watch it and uh is very enjoyable and you know it, it would be hard to really start an episode without talking about what's going on in our current state it's a really tough time right now with the protests the riots and you know i just want to give some acknowledgement and to what's been going on. I know people have their kind of take on it. Um, there's there's no one-size-fits-all solution. Um, but one thing I do want to say is that, and I've always said this throughout many episodes, is that the oppressed should have a voice. The oppressed have rights and Right now, we're living in a time that all of that is coming to light with a lot of movements. You see it with Black Lives Matter. You see it with a lot of people acknowledging that I can no longer stand on the sidelines and remain quiet. I have to actually speak out, even if I'm not directly impacted by what's been going on in society. And there's a lot of nuance in between all that, and we could definitely save that for a deeper discussion, but I just want to acknowledge that, you know, uh, we are committed to just making sure that the oppressed has that platform, and uh, 
we'll get into it um, as the days and weeks uh, progress and months and hopefully uh, things certainly improve now. Yes, definitely. It, it has felt like this protest has come differently. Like it, it, it feels stronger. I feel like this isn't going away and you know, it's necessary and I'm really looking forward to an improved society, you know, for, for all. And I mean, of course it was a horrific tragedy what happened in, in Minneapolis and, you know, hopefully that's the last one. So, you know, we can start to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Now everyone, we got to talk about some baseball. I'm watching all these things. They're like March 26, you know, the, the players and, 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 you know, the owners and the commissioner, Manfred, or, uh, you know, they, they've been getting together to, to talk about things. What's been going on, man? Yeah. This is where I'm going to get like really upset. It really, really bothers me that these, that these billionaires in, in the in uh, the billionaire owners in Major League Baseball, they don't have the foresight to understand that they need to get their damn sport back because right now it's like an inch ahead of hockey and the sport is dying. <laughs> it is dying with the fans under 20. And you're really going to f- around here and bitch about Nichols. Just get this game going. They've been playing in Korea for like six weeks and they can't get going here. So let me at least just start from the top. There's been about three or four proposals kicked back and forth. Um, the players, the players um, offered a 114 game schedule with full prorated salaries. Yeah, and the owners countered with a 48 game schedule with full prorated salaries because the owners don't want to pay the full prorated salary. That's the biggest point of contention here, because you know they thought that the, somehow they still thought in March there was going to be a point this year where they were going to have fans in the building. Yeah, shame on them. But um, it's just, you know, they should have, if they could have gotten their act together and had an agreement done by Memorial Day, that's already two weeks ago, you could have had baseball in the next week by like June 20th, you know, June 25th, and you would have had a month where you were the only show in town, you know, golf and NASCAR notwithstanding, like yeah. the big four, the big four sports. And people that never watched baseball before were going to watch it. You know, yeah, and that could have grown some of your fan base because you know it's it's not very popular with young kids, and they don't seem to see that. They don't seem to care. You know, I mean, I, you know, what drives me crazy too is that you know baseball has lost its way, and it's been like that for a few years, maybe a few decades where it's really lost his way. And what I mean by that is that baseball had a way to understand how to market its sport. Uh, but because they're so divided, they they don't unify when the opportunistic moments present themselves. Like this one, for example. This is like a wartime. And what a better way to be present than to play America's pastime when everyone is conditioned to being home and something that can provide relief for them, for the people who have been quarantined, for the people who have been living in fear, for the people who are revolutionaries, for everyone in between, to watch some baseballs, America's pastime. Instead, these guys are just 
fighting over money, fighting over profit share, and they're going to destroy themselves because they couldn't agree to play a game. And I'm just blown away by that. Uh, You know, now the other sports are starting back up. So baseball is not going to have that exclusive right where they're the only ones on the screen. Now you're going to have to compete with every other sport and you're not going to acquire any new fans. And yeah, you're still going to keep your diehard fans. You're never going to get rid of those people. But the people on the fringes, the casual observer, you know, I think you had an opportunity to capture that and you might have lost it. No, they definitely did lose it, you know, and it would have been such a blessing to have to have baseball right now during this. You know, I don't know how they were able to figure this out in Korea so much longer ago. I understand that they had their they had their high point in the virus before us because they got it first. Everything was pushed. Yeah, everything was pushed, you know, a little back for them. Yeah, they just these owners, you know, and for some reason, you know, there's a proposal. They wait, you know, the player association waits two days. They answer and they say no. And then you can't lock these guys in a room and they're like, figure it out. You got two days and we just need to know right now, you know, and if the season isn't going to come back, tell us today. So then we can also move on, but they're just going to sit here in limbo and just, you know, I mean, shame on them. And they had a different challenge than the other sports so far because basketball and hockey played most of their year. So they got most of their money. You know, so now it's just finishing the year, declaring a champion and hoping to move on to somewhat of a normal season for 20 and have that luxury. And I understand that. But they, you know, you own a business. You're not guaranteed to make a profit every year. And these guys are all independently wealthy, like they're filthy rich. Even the Mets owners, the pinch pennies like no others, you know, they're you know, they're bad business people, but they're all very successful, you know, with the franchise. And the franchise makes money hand over fist. So for you to tell me that one year of just no people in the stands, you know, and like we're hemorrhaging, I can't. No, bro, it, it, it's I ridiculous. And and you know what? They they don't have a good uh, dialogue going on They're They're be- they better be careful because they're right on the cusp of becoming just a complete joke. And mockery and they better be careful because they'll get into a position where you know you cancel the sport for the year you know it's going to take you a decade to recoup a canceled season to recruit newer fans because you got a lot of people who are potentially new fans that are not going to see your sport during a time that digital media, TV, just the consumption of information and entertainment is higher than ever before. And you're going to squander that opportunity because you guys couldn't get along. Yes, yes. And I was not around in 1994 or like to remember something like this. But anyone that I talked to of a certain age, tells me that if they pull this crap again, that it'll be that it'll be way worse than 94 and there won't be any Maguire Sosa home run chase to, you know, wake up the sport like they got like they got, you know, 3 years later. Yeah, in man. The 90s. Yeah. Now, transitioning to a sport that 
kind of has this symbiotic relationship between ownership and players. They seem to really get along, or at least that's what the perceived relationship looks like. And that's the NBA, where it's a completely different ball game. It's almost like the perception is the NBA, the players run the league, right? At least that's how they perceive it to be on the main stage. And it's kind of cool because you have like the LeBrons and the Chris Pauls of the world. They get together like in this room. Obviously, these decisions are being made by the people that own it. And that's the owners of the franchises of the sports. So we can't lose sight of them. Uh, But they've done a good job of giving the platform over to the players and then just letting it flow from there. And you see that there's a lot more agreements and a lot more deals that, that can be made. And it seems like, you know, knock on wood, the NBA looks like they've come to this agreement where now the season is going to start at the end of July. We're going to see some playoff basketball. And it looks like they came up with this very strange format. I mean, I would totally botch it up if I had to explain it, but it sounds like there's 22 teams that are coming together. Uh, you know, the first seven seeds, uh, you know, are in. Uh, the eighth seed is in and then the people who the teams that were within I guess four games of the eighth seed uh are also in and that's what makes up your 21 or 22 teams and then they're gonna just duke it out over a span of eight games and then start this playoff run yeah so they're gonna play an eight game regular season when they bring back the 22 teams 13 from the west nine from the east so what they're going to do is at the end of the eight games, you know, it's, it goes one through seven, you know, like Milwaukee isn't going to move anywhere, anywhere. They're still going to be the one, you know, it's going to be more of a tune up for Giannis, get him loose. Yeah. If the nine seed is within four games of the eight seed, they're going to do a, in each, in each conference, they're going to do a play in. Yeah. So this is something they do in like double elimination tournaments, yeah. sort of. The nine seed has to beat the eight seed twice. And the eight seed only has to beat them once. Yeah. And, you know, the conclusion of that is who gets the eight seed. And then after that, the teams that didn't go, thank you for your time. You played your eight games. You leave the bubble. And we continue on. And then the playoffs will be, after that, they'll be pretty traditional. It'll be one through eight, you know, seven versus two, three versus six, yeah. four through five. And, and you know, the weird part is there'll just be no home court. But you mentioned the, the relationship the players have with the commissioner. Yeah. And that's the one thing the NBA really has going for them. Like they trust Adam Silver out of the I can't really speak for hockey on that much of an educated level. But between baseball and football, it's but they have uh, basketball has by far the best, you know, ownership player relationship. Yeah. You know, did did you happen to see what Kyrie Irving said yesterday though? It was kind of interesting. No, man. What did Kyrie say this time? Because I had all my notes ready for this thing, and I see, and I see him yesterday. He basically alluded to the fact, and he is the player representative for the Brooklyn Nets, and he agreed to this format like two weeks ago. And he's not even going to play. He probably is not even going to go to Orlando. Yesterday, he essentially tried to blow up the whole thing and tried to tell everybody, you know, that he doesn't think the bubble idea is a good concept and to not go. And I was just, I mean. To put it simply, 
he is the weirdest NBA superstar we have. You know, he's just he's just an odd duck. Couldn't make it work in Boston for some reason. Had to run from LeBron. I don't get him. Yeah. But for him to say that yesterday, I was like, you you were the one that agreed on the system two weeks ago, and you're not even going to play. Now you're going to try to ruin it for somebody else. Yeah. You know, they have to get this in. They have to get this. They got to play the games. This. Yeah. They got to play the games when, I'll tell you what, Kyrie, I, I, I've had it with Kyrie. And, you know, this guy... Yeah, he had the clutch shot against the Warriors, which arguably could have been the shot that won them the championship. And, you know, he could hang on that. But I will say that Kyrie's career would not have taken true definition if it wasn't for LeBron coming back to the Cavaliers. Uh, Because at the end of the day, we had a player that was a number one pick um, in Kyrie Irving and really didn't do much for those three, four years that he was by himself with the Cavs. And then LeBron James comes, takes all the, you know, grunt work. Because that, that's what LeBron does for your team. He comes in and he does all the stuff that nobody wants to do. And he just, you know, he's, he's a Swiss Army knife. And then Kyrie being the, the lethal scorer that he is, you know, he was able to, to thrive and shine with his scoring ability by having LeBron. Then he goes to Boston because he wants to be his own man. And his own star with a supporting cast that LeBron James has never had at that stage. Like that supporting cast in Boston was unbelievable. And Kyrie couldn't make that work. And never mind that he wasn't healthy enough to make that work. Never mind mentally healthy or prepared enough to make that work. And then he goes to Brooklyn. And, you know, I'm actually glad he didn't come to the Knicks because Kyrie's not a Nick. Kyrie is just one of these, like, guys, yet, you know, he won a ring, but I am not a Kyrie fan whatsoever, not one bit, you know, and I think that in these next couple years, the story of Kyrie is going to be even more pronounced, where you see how this guy in the most crucial moments is going to do either odd things or just quit and give up anyway, because he's been known to just give up and leave anyway. And, you know, that's kind of like his MO. And, you know, so I wish him the best, but with Kyrie himself, I am not the biggest fan at all when it comes to Kyrie Irving, man. Thank you. Lucky stars. He's not wearing the like the orange and blue, you know? Oh yeah, man. Sometimes, Sometimes the blessing is when the snake doesn't bite you because, you know, just he, I don't get him one bit and he's a Jersey guy. So I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of the Nets, but I'm rooting for, you know, I like to see him do well. I mean, he's from right. He's from our, in our backyard here. He's from Montclair. Yeah. But he's just, it, he can't put it together. Yeah, but, man. And, uh, you know, and closing this out, I did, you know, want to talk about some of the good stuff that, you know, the players are coming out and, and they're talking more. I mean, you see LeBron James obviously has been pushing his message out there about uh, people unifying and really uh, speaking out. He's built a school. Uh, I believe I Promise is the name of the school. And yes. um, and it's really encouraged a lot of other young athletes that are you know, millionaires to, to give back, to be proactive and to display their voice. And then you've seen guys like, 
I mean, so many NBA players. I mean, Steven Jackson. I mean, Damian Lillard, I heard, was in the thick of protests during in L.A., you know, I think it was L.A., but I'm just like, you know, that's honestly, if I was a player, I don't know if I'd be out in the middle of the protest, but that's pretty brave just to see them take a stance um, that way. And these people were were pushing this message a while ago with with the hoodie uh, with Trayvon Martin and what happened uh, during that period. And it's interesting that what applied then applies now and it's the same it's the same debate the same argument so now you know you start to see lebron's push and lebron's uh fight for equality uh to be a very real message and and he's going to be viewed as a much different athlete of his time because of the social aspects of his movement his progression and his growth and I'm proud of him for being able to encourage young Americans, even the millennial population, to get more involved. And, you know, I'm just so damn happy to be in a part of history that you see these guys really getting together in unity uh, to create change, to affect and impact change. Yes, definitely. And, you know, LeBron... I have a lot of respect for him. You know, everything he's done, he's, you know, he's elevated all his friends. You know, he hasn't just like, you know, given them money and let them like, you know, just hang around him, you know, and feed off him. He's made them, you know, legitimate businessmen of their own. You know, his uh, his agent, you know, Rich Paul, like, you know, these guys, he, that's so, you know, unique in what he did. He said, you know, I'm going to get everything I want from this game of basketball, you know, and, and lift up everybody I can. So you, you mentioned he, he built a school and he's, you know, standing up for, um, for social injustice, but I w- it's actually really like refreshing to see how many, how many non-black athletes, you know, have, have come out and said something. I never would have yeah. imagined Brady saying something before. Yeah. Because, you know, even though they didn't have a problem with it, you know, it's sort of like, you know, it doesn't affect me. I'm just not going to dip my toe in that water. And it's yeah. like, nobody's really doing that anymore. They're like, no, we have to, you know, this is just enough's enough. This yeah. one just seems different. Like, you know, yeah. our kids are going to be reading about this in a history book yeah. in like 25 years. This one's going to be different. Yeah. I I hope some real change comes from it. You yeah. Know, you mentioned players at, at a protest. Sabathia, CC Sabathia was at a protest in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> CC. You know, I mean, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> scary. It's a little different driving down 34th Street in, Monha- in Manhattan and seeing everything boarded up. Yeah. You know, it's nice that some of the looting finally stopped because you know they, the business owners are just innocent bystanders in this whole thing. Co- correct. Um, and you know, and and th- that's gonna that's gonna be part of it, which we don't want. Obviously, we want it to be peaceful, and we want people to speak out to the injustice that enough is enough and you know stay tuned everybody because we're going to be doing uh more coverage on this because i want to paint a very clear picture of what the history has been um because if i were to tell someone that just 55 years ago it was illegal for a white male to marry a black female or vice versa you wouldn't believe me but yet there's people who live through that period so 
with that said, there's a lot for us to learn. There's a lot for us to do. And I hope everyone else is doing their part out there. And uh, without further ado, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy this beautiful day. Enjoy life. Go out there and make a difference. Until the next time, peace out.